Father, open our minds to understand your word. Steal our wills that we might follow you and warm our hearts with your love and compassion for the world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving with all the trappings and stuffings. And if you're like me, you're feeling a little bit like you. Advent should be a season of fasting and going to the gym. Well, today is the first Sunday of Advent, the beginning of our church year. It's a season of serious preparation, getting ready, as Jesus said at the end of the Gospel reading, to be ready. It's putting our lives in order, dealing with sin in our lives. I've been told that the traditional themes of Advent were a bit more (laughs) stern than they are today. Apparently the old themes were sin, judgment, hell, and heaven. So we've changed those to make them a little more palatable, but they are rather bracing. There is darkness in the world and we need to address it. But Advent, uh, it kind of becomes consumed with getting ready for Christmas because it's the season just before the celebration of God coming into the world 2,000 years ago. But it's really about Jesus coming again, getting ready. So Advent is the one season in the church year that looks to the future. It kind of wraps up all the other things that we celebrate all year long, the things of the past, Christmas and Easter and Pentecost and Epiphany, and it kind of wraps them all up, helps us to launch into the future on the basis of what God has already done, what we can anticipate that God will do in the future. It's the celebration then as we come up, both the incarnation coming once and coming again. It is the time of year that I feel most out of step with the world around me. And I feel very cranky and curmudgeonly sometimes. Our Christmas, of course, doesn't start until December 25th. And then it goes for 12 days. But of course, in the world, Christmas came when they started playing Christmas songs at the mall. And that they will stop quite abruptly at December 25th. I love to keep the spirit of Christmas alive during those 12 days, beginning on December 25th. And I love to say to people, all during those 12 days, Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year. And the looks you get by, by daring to say Merry Christmas after the December 25th is amazing. It's really kind of fun. They're like, they're thinking, it's over, get over it. The interesting thing about our calendar uh, and the, the calendar we know today was designed in the, around the year 500. A young monk from Scythia named Dionysius the Insignificant made a trip to Rome and presented to the Pope uh, a new calendar. A calendar that year one was based on Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. God coming into the world. And the beginning of that year, he proposed, was not December 25th or January 1st, but rather March 25th. March 25th. The Annunciation of the Angel Gabriel to Mary when she conceived Jesus in her womb. The inbreaking, the quietly 
dark inbreaking of God into our world that wouldn't come to fruition, wouldn't be seen for another nine months. March 25th, then, was new, uh, the first day of the calendar for a thousand years. It was a later pope who, put, who changed it back to January 1st. So Jesus said, therefore, you must get ready. Now, when someone says, you have, let's get ready, it can have a negative connotation or a positive connotation. Either we're getting ready for something unsavory like taxes or the draft or the war or our physical, or it's getting ready for something positive, a family reunion or a gathering that's fun. The Gospel reading today indicates something severe and ominous for which we must get ready. The whole of chapter Matthew 24 is full of dire predictions and warnings. The destruction of the temple, the arrest of the followers of Jesus, the abomination of desolation, apocalyptic end-time symbolism, even comparing the coming of the Son of Man to the cataclysm of the flood at the time of Noah. It gets your attention. But the reading from the Old Testament, from Isaiah, on the other hand, is something very wonderful to look forward to. The end of war, peace and harmony, the beating of our swords into plowshares, something to look forward to. I wonder what you think when you read in the scriptures, you better get ready. And I think we need to do both. Get ready for judgment and get ready to see what this God can do. We're approaching a season of Christmas when God himself, the creator of the universe, squeezed himself into our world, into a stable, into a womb. And if a God can do that, what else could he do? Far beyond our most uh, terrific imaginings. When we light the Advent candle, it's kind of, I think, a tacit, affirmation that there's darkness in the world. Now today, since the advent of electricity, kids mainly see candles on birthday cakes. It's all kind of fun and celebratory and wonderful and kind of magical. But of course, in days gone by, you lit a candle when it was too dark to see. And so when we light a candle for Advent, there is a sense in this growing light into the darkness. But there is an affirmation that there is darkness and we need the candle. There's darkness inside our heart that we need to deal with, and we need to open ourselves to the light of Christ. There's darkness in the world around us, and we need to be prepared to be the light, to go into the darkness, to do something about it. And so there's serious work to be done in Advent, a season of reflection, confession, seeking forgiveness and absolution, works of penitence, being a light in the darkness. But it's also that season when we wonder what God could possibly do. What could God do with the seed that I might plant? It's a season where we remember God in his redemptive, transforming love. A season of miracles and anticipation and wonder. A season of darkness when we remember that the light has come into the world, and the darkness has not and will not overcome it. Did you notice the agricultural imagery in our readings? There's the imagery of war and the seriousness of preparation. 
But there's also the imagery of agriculture. In the gospel, the people are working in the fields and grinding the grain. And in the Isaiah, they're beating their swords into plowshares and pruning hooks, something to do agriculture with. When I was growing up on the farm in the far reaches of Canada, in the dead of winter, through the mail would come the Dominion Seed Catalog. This was a very exciting day for my mother. She would get that seed catalog and see what seeds were available or what new seeds they had developed. And she'd take out a piece of paper and start designing and planning the garden, where it would go and what would be in the shade of what. And then so as soon as the land had thawed, she was ready to go. With the shorter growing season, you have to be ready. And so she would get out there and start her planting according to what had been ordered through the Dominion Seed Catalog. Of course, it all had to come through the mail, no Amazon back then. And so then we would plant, she would tend the garden, harvest the garden, and we would have things in the root cellar to eat in the wintertime. And so it's a lovely imagery to think of the Dominion Seed Catalog or the Bible as the seed catalog. What seeds are in the Bible that we might sow? And what might come of those seeds? Of course, Jesus loved to tell the the parable of the mustard seed growing into a huge plant to shelter the birds. And I would like to think that, uh, remembering that seeds are sown in darkness, Jesus makes the point that a seed, if it's to grow, must be put into the darkness and die to itself so that it will, will grow. And in this season of Advent, facing the darkness in our lives, facing the darkness in the world, but trusting God that we might do something to make a difference, that we might see, sow seeds, plant them in hope and faith and love that God can work his miracles with the smallest of seeds. I would like to think that we could, in the beginning of the day, as we light our candles, as we use our little booklets during Advent, to pray for opportunities to sow seeds that day. It's wonderful to see what happens when you commit that day to God. I used to feel very guilty about trying to tell people about Jesus, doing evangelism. And then I would start to pray in the morning, God, if you want me to talk to somebody, would you provide the opportunity? And I was astounded how people would approach me and say stuff like, hey, tell me about your faith, or can I go to church with you? So I think as we commit these uh, impulses to God, it allows him to water that seed and to bring it to fruition. And so I would encourage us as we approach this Advent, as we light our candles, I hope you're going to make a wreath, as we do our readings, as we commit this season to God, that we will find ways to plant seeds. Whether it be a kind word, a letter, talking to a homeless person, even if you don't give them money, just to treat them with the dignity to ask them their name and share your name. To extend an invitation. Did you notice the invitations in the readings? In Isaiah, come. In the Psalms, I was glad when they said, let us, come to, let us go to the house of the Lord. Have you ever invited someone to attend church with you? And maybe we need to pray in the morning. God, if there's someone that you would like that needs to be invited to church, would you put their name in my heart? so that I might find an opportunity to invite them to church. Don't just say, hey, you should go to church, but would you like to come with me one day to church? Christmas is a perfect time to do that. 
And so we find ways to sow small seeds that we have no idea where they will go. You probably know the story of the young fellow who was a, a high school student going home from school, and he was carrying all his books. And uh, some wasn't very popular kid, etc., often by himself. One of the other kids in the school saw him struggling with all the books, knew that he had some struggles in school, so he offered to help him carry the books home. And he said, oh, "Just you need some help. I'll help you carry them home. Later, that boy with the books was asked to be valedictorian. And he said, as I was going home that day, I was taking my books home because I was going to commit suicide. I was going to end my life. Things were so bleak for me that I had no reason for living. And as I'm carrying the books home with this in my mind, someone comes along and offers an act of kindness, and it changed my mind. And I thought, I do have something to live for, and it turned his, his life around. And so let's think of the Bible as a seed catalog. Let's pray to God that he will give us an opportunity to plant those seeds with faith and hope and love, trusting in the God who initially squeezed himself into our world, that this God who is going to come again in the meantime can uh, anoint our seeds, seeds that will bring redemption and transformation to the world around us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.